Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Yeah. Okay, Matthew 9, 29. I didn't hand this one out either. Uh, Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Who's got Matthew 15, 28? Matthew 15, 28. David back there. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and, he, and her daughter was instantly healed. Okay. Mark 2, 4, and 5. Who's got that? Mark 2, 4, and 5. Anyone? Did I not pass that one out? Well, guess what? Looks like I'm reading this one. Let me get there. Mark 2, 4, and 5 says this. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors there was no room, no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. You guys are familiar with this story. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Uh, Mark ten fifty one and 52. Tisha. Jesus asked the man, what do you want me to do for you? He answered, teacher, I want to see again. Jesus said, go, you are healed because you believed. Immediately, the man was able to see again. He followed Jesus down the road. Yeah. Who's got Luke 50? Luke 750, sorry, Luke 50. That would be a chapter that doesn't exist in the Bible, Luke 50. Luke 750. Luke 750. And he said to the woman... Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Cool. And who's got Luke 17, 18, and 19? Luke 17, 18, and 19. Yeah, I do. Didn't any return to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Yeah. Okay. So we just read seven or eight passages. That's the last one on that. Uh, We just read seven or eight passages. Are you seeing a common theme as to what uh, caused their healing, caused their whatever? Faith. Faith. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're seeing several instances where Jesus heals in response to faith, and it's very well, like, explicitly um, stated in those passages, right? Your faith has saved you. Your faith has healed you. Um, Seeing their faith. Your faith is great. Your request is granted. And so um, this would be them honoring the prophet, right? Jesus is like seeing their faith. There's two times when Jesus is astonished. And one of those times is because of the centurion's great faith. Like, so, so you see Jesus responding in faith. Um, we place our faith in him, not because he's a, he's a cosmic genie, but because uh, he's the son of God who died on the cross, who made us right with God, who holds the keys to death in the grave, right? Revelations 1, 18. Um, but then you get some instances where there is a lack of faith or there is no faith mentioned. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of uh, wing this here. I had something pop into my mind about, uh, you know, about an hour before we started here. And just 
uh, full transparency. Uh, I, I, felt I would feel very disingenuous if I did not bring this up. Um, you've got an instance in, uh, I believe it's Mark 6 and Matthew 13, where Jesus goes to uh, um, Nazareth, where he's from, and he is um, unable, the Bible says he could not do any miracles because of their lack of faith. Uh, a very prominent preacher a few years ago by the name of Stephen Furtick uh, said that um, Jesus is unable to move uh, because of our lack of faith or something along those lines, that Jesus can't do something because of our lack of faith. Um, the, the faith that is described in Matthew 13 and Mark 6, um, it is a, a faith that has completely rejected who Jesus is. Um, they've seen him do miracles, um, but their unbelief starts to, to shun the supernatural, starts to uh, um, bring up these irrelevant... All that. He, who's he? He's a carpenter's son. He, he, we know his sisters. He can't do anything. And so the, the unbelief, um, Jesus not doing any miracles there, is not a problem of power. It's not like they found Jesus' kryptonites. It's not like, oh, we got him. We got him. It's a problem of purpose. And, and what I mean by that is the purpose of the miracles is to testify as to who Jesus is. They had seen him do miracles. They knew who he was. And even in light of them seeing that, they still said, nope, nope. And so Jesus is saying, I'm not going to do any miracles here. Not because, not because I lack power, right? I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to go out on a branch any day of the week and say God can't do something. I'll say he won't sin. I'll take that back. God can't sin. Okay, I'll take that back. But I'm not going to say God can't do something as far as um, because of, of my response. If God could not do something because of our unbelief, none of us would be saved. Think about it. Like Romans 3 says, um, like no one's seeking God. Like no one's righteous. No one, we're, we're enemies. We're children of wrath. And so if God could not overcome our unbelief, then none of us would be saved. But John 6, 4 says that he draws us to him. So the whole he can't do anything because of our unbelief is nonsense. He didn't do anything there because it served no purpose. Um, it's almost similar to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 6, where it says, uh, let me make sure I'm, I'm quoting this correctly. Hebrews 6, where it says, For it is impossible to bring back repentance to those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven, shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word and the power of the age to come, who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing to the cross once again, holding him up to public shame. What that means is that you've got people who will sit and listen. They'll come to church. They'll sit and listen, listen to everything. They'll see God moving people's lives, sit in church time and time and time again, and still reject God, that their hearts are callous. The Bible would call them stiff-necked people who want nothing to do with God. Those are the people that you want to like make a comparison or parallel to. Those are the people that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 13 and Mark 6. That's that. He's like, no, it doesn't serve a purpose. Their hearts are hardened. They've rejected me. They want nothing to do with me. My miracles serve no purpose in that. God can overcome our unbelief. My iPad is running out of battery, so I think we can get through this. And we're going to look at a couple of those moments, these instances where Jesus is overcoming his unbeliefs. We look at John 9, um, where the disciples are walking with Jesus. 
And they see this man born blind, and they say, hey, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, no one sinned. He's born blind so that you can see the glory of God revealed. We get nothing from this guy, no hint of faith from this guy. Jesus slaps some mud on him, and um, there we go. And Jesus slaps some mud on him, and he's healed. He says, go and wash, and he's healed. You get this lengthy interaction with the Pharisees, and through it all, um, there's no mention of faith. They're like, hey, how were you healed? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know who the guy was. All I know is that I was blind, now I can see. All I know is that he threw some mud on my eyes, and he asked me um, to go take a dip and wash it off, and now I can see. No faith. I don't see any faith in that. You look at John 11, where Jesus is uh, interacting the, the, the resurrection of Lazarus, uh, Lazarus, and even in that circumstance. Um, now, Mary and Martha fully believed in him as the Messiah and the Son of God. Um, they definitely believed in him, but and, and they said they'll believe they'll see their, their brother again um, on the last day. But what we gather from this text is that the people around, the people that were mourning, and even Mary and Martha, they weren't fully convinced that he could like raise the dead. Now, verse 22, she says, I know that you know, whatever you ask of God, he can grant you. But when Jesus tells her in, in verse 39 to open the tomb, she's like, it's gonna stink. He's dead, he's dead, dead. Like he's not, it wasn't an accident, like he's gone. And so maybe what she was hinting more towards in verse 22 was that like, hey, God can bring some good out of this sad situation. You know, if there is faith, it's hanging on by a thread. But here we get in chapter four, where it is unbelief. And Jesus overcomes that unbelief. This man comes to Jesus again. He says, you know, Jesus says, go, your son's gonna be healed. And so he leaves and he goes on his way. And on his way, his servants meet him and they say, hey, your son's healed. And I would be like, yes, but he goes, hey, what time was that? And they say it was like one o'clock yesterday. And he starts connecting these dots. That's when Jesus told me my son would be healed. And it was because of that, that he believed that he had a saving faith. It wasn't before, it was after. And we read that, that it was after that, that he and his entire household followed and believed in Jesus. Like saving faith believed. Do you see the difference there? That that's the moment where that faith hit was after the fact. And so you see Jesus overcoming this unbelief. And, and you, you can parallel this to salvation as well. And I've kind of already hit on this. Um, but you see that in John 6, where Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the father draws him to me, yeah. right? That there's this unbelief. And so like God's the one doing the drawing. And then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Romans 3, 27, 1 Corinthians 1, 28 and 29, 2 Timothy 1, 9, they reinforce this idea that we can take no credit. We can't boast about anything. I would, I, God just knew I was gonna have a good response to the gospel. That's why he drew me. No, like that would be like, okay, well then you are able to take credit for the fact that you would have had a better response than the person sitting next to you. Like we still can't take credit for it. God, it is just like that guy that, that had his son healed that was purely by the grace of Jesus healing him, right? Out of sympathy, but by this marvelous grace that Jesus healed him. And the same is true with us. There's nothing in us that is worthy of salvation, but it's purely by God's grace that we are saved. We're not smarter. We're not better. We're not more deserving, right? God draws those who he chooses to draw. And not because, they can, um, not because they're more worthy than anyone else, but it's because that's what gives him good pleasure, and that's what his plan was from the foundation of 
the earth, right? Can Jesus respond? Does Jesus respond to faith? 100% absolutely. Can he overcome unbelief? Absolutely. Absolutely he can. One of my favorite interactions, and I'm wrapping up with this, is found in Mark 9, where this dad, um, this dad comes to Jesus, and he needs his son healed. And he says, hey, have mercy on us. Help us if you can. And Jesus remains, what do, you, what do you mean if I can? He says, anything is possible if a person believes. Anyone know how the father responds? He says, I do believe, but help my unbelief, right? And I think there's that part of us that all of us at times, probably a lot, of more, lot more times than we would be willing to admit that we need to pray that prayer. Right? I believe. Help, help, that, help that unbelief because it's, it's there. But I know you can overcome that. I know that my unbelief does not hamstring you from doing anything in my life, but help, I, I want to have faith, but help, help me fully believe in who you are. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this evening. God, thanking you for who you are. God, thanking you that you have overcome our unbelief and drawn us to you. God, that, that you have, have chosen us and adopted us into your family. Um, God, let us honor you for who you are. God, for the, for the Savior of the world, for the Son of God. Um, God, we know that you give good gifts, but don't let us get so hung up on those gifts. Don't let us seek the gifts more than we seek you. God, we thank you. God, continue to work in us and change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Cool. Well, hey, thank you guys for being here. Anyone have any questions or thoughts about that? I kind of freestyled there for a little bit, so um, I'll, I'll make sure I'll do some more homework and make sure I didn't say anything that's completely unbiblical. But uh, um, love you guys. If you have any questions, let me know. But hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next Wednesday for the last one of the year. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.